Welcome to This Creative Life Radio. I'm Felicity O'Connor. Creative women all over the world are unblocking and recovering their creative journey while they rewrite the rules for creative success. Join me as I explore the lives of people engaged in successful creative work and unlock helpful tips that leave you inspired and ready to create. Well, welcome everybody to the podcast, This Creative Life. I am Felicity O'Connor. Um, I'm an artist and art coach for many and run the Art Activator program. Very, very pleased to have a special guest with me today, Natasha, commonly known as Tash Corbin. Hi, Tash, business strategist and coach. Welcome to This Creative Life podcast. Thank you, Felicity. I'm very excited. A long-time listener, first-time interviewee. (laughs) I can't believe this is the first time. I can't believe I haven't had you on the show before now because you have just taught me so much. But uh, And and basically today we're thinking about our business heads as creatives and what we get challenged with being creative people and trying to run small business because that's what we are when we're trying to run a creative business, Um, being an artist, being successful in that. Uh, We are small business people and I think a lot of people go oh that's a bit creepy I don't want to think of myself as a business person or I have no idea what that really means or I like the idea of it but I don't actually know how to do it so um and And we can dial up that discomfort by saying one of your main jobs is also selling (laughs) don't turn off Peeps, don't turn off this podcast. This is vital, vital that you get the gems that Tash Corbin's going to share with us. So um, I'm, I'm just going to jump in. And as you know, um, my podcasts are unscripted, off the cuff. They wander, they meander. Um, they might come to dead ends, but not usually. But that's okay. We we are a creative bunch and uh, it's always good fun to follow those Um scripted and unknowns kind of just like I would do as I approach a painting actually so that's how it goes here um but having said that I've got some things specifically to ask you I know you will have some specific tips that will be super helpful to our listeners um but I'm just going to lead out with asking about something about you Mm -hmm. you're a really confident person naturally you're an extrovert do you think that's part of why you've been such a successful business person the that's such a great question by the way but um the reason this is a great podcast so of course (laughs) you're going to ask great questions the reason I am so successful in business is not because I'm an extrovert it's because I've built a business around my strengths so the difference between success in business and you know feeling like you're constantly pushing the proverbial uphill is not you have to be a certain type of person or you have to do it in a certain type of way. Just be curious about what works for you, what lights you up, what your strengths are. And if you can bring those to the fore in your business strategy, then it's going to feel easier. It's going to work more effectively and you're going to be more successful. So I know the fact that I am an exhibitionist extrovert, like I'm the right (laughs) dialed up kind of extrovert, does not mean that that is a minimum requirement or expectation for you to be successful in business. Some of the people that I follow in business strategy and see what they're doing, they're raging introverts. They, you know, don't leave the house very often. And if they do, it has to be for a really good reason. And they're very awkward in social situations, but they're making way more than me. 
And that's really, I think, comforting to know for all of us that as long as we build a business around our strengths and we build our marketing and sales around our strengths, we can be successful and we will be more successful. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. So um, the reason I led with that question, of course, is I find that particularly introverted creatives really struggle in this area. And often Mm. there's an assumption that I need to be an extrovert to share selfies on social media, to be seen. I need to be putting my art out left, right and centre so everybody notices me. Um, And, of course, your classic introvert, of which I am one, um, just kind of really freaks out at doing that sort of stuff. I certainly Mm. realise that you can learn some of these skills. But I think the way you put it is really great. Play to the strengths. Play to the strengths. And let's not forget, the internet was built by a bunch of introverts. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) It has never been safer and easier for you to control the way that you show up and for you to control how much you share and the way in which you share. And it has never been easier for you to take a step back when you want to as well. So if you've spent a week going crazy promoting your, your exhibition, promoting yourself, you're sharing things on social media and you're feeling like, you know what, I just need some downtime. No one, the internet is so busy, no one notices if you take two days off the internet. No mm. one will notice. So you, as long as you are in control and you take responsibility for how you feel, you can do it exactly your way. As an extrovert, I struggled when I first started my business to connect with people online because I felt like everyone was hiding. I was like, where are you all? Everybody, get out of here. <laughs> There's things to talk about. And so I actually think particularly the internet side of being in business, I found actually harder as an extrovert. I was running in-person workshops just so I got my dose of people. I was going to conferences and events that had nothing to do with my business just so I could get a dose of extroverting. So, you know, let's not forget that introversion versus extroversion is not a personality type. It's actually how you energize yourself. And so Mm. if energizing yourself is sitting on your own at a computer, showing up in a very controlled way that feels good for you, the internet is perfect for that. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I want to step off to another area that you know um, I've been really talking about and interested in um, for people to consider. And I really kind of go to this when I'm thinking about artists and where Mm. artists can improve. And that is the topic around investing in one's self. (laughs) And now, um, and just to expand on that for for the listeners that aren't probably totally up to speed with what I'm talking about here. I'm not just talking financial investment, you know, I'm talking about really soul, I don't know what the word is, you know, investing oneself in so many. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to to just know uh, your thoughts about that, but also your experiences of when you have invested in yourself, Yeah. what, what that's been like and what's come from that. Mm, lovely. So I'll talk about my views on it first and then I'll talk about my own experiences because I truly believe that if you do take that leap to invest in yourself, whether that be time or money or energy, then you will create momentum. And I actually love um, um, Liz Gilbert, Big Magic, where she Mm -hmm. says, um, you know, 
your, what you do will tell you how much what you are prioritizing. So she talks about writers and, you know, what's the priority for you? I really want to get this book out. Okay, well, what's your day look like? I get up, I get the kids off to school, I clean the house, I go and do the grocery shopping, I cook lunch for my husband who comes home, and then if I have time in the afternoon, I do some writing. Well, what does that tell mm. us about what's a priority for you? Actually, your actions speak way louder than your words. And so for me, I've even broken that down even further because I believe that business success comes from a combination of 50% strategy and having the right strategies and 50% mindset. And when I first started my business, I was investing 90% of my de development budget in strategy and 10% just dabbling around in this mindset stuff. And I was like, oh, isn't that interesting? I think it needs this. And, you know, 50-50, and yet I'm doing 90-10 in terms of what I'm spending my time and energy and money on. And I even shifted in terms of time. So 50% of my day is taken up by me investing in my mindset. So that might be that I go for a long walk. That might be listening to great podcasts. That might be doing emotional freedom technique or tapping, which I really love. That might be a kinesiology session. But I am spending 50% of my day working on my mindset. It could be a yoga class. You know, I find that really beautiful for my mindset. And I combine like mindset, energy, body, all those things in one side. And then 50% of my day is on the strategy that's going to grow my business. And if I don't have both, I find that they actually suffer. Okay, so, so for me, yes, yeah, I just want to interrupt to, to ask, can you expand a bit on strategy? Because while that's familiar yeah. in the business world for our, our artists, they might be going, well, yeah. what is she? strategy what, what well, so for me the strategy is actually like for an artist would be time in the studio actually yep. painting or doing yep. your thing it would be spending time on social media actually yep. sharing my work and doing my stuff mm -hmm. it could be for me delivering sessions for clients and running group programs working on my copywriting graphic design stuff so all of the elements of like the what is it that you're actually doing to grow your business Right. And so 50% of my day, my work day, which these days is about four to five hours a day, four days a week. It's not a lot of time. Um, but 50% of that day is spent like on Facebook, interacting with people, putting posts together, recording interviews. This is strategy time, right? Mm -hmm. I'm on this podcast as a way of spreading the word about the work that I do and serving more people. This is part of my growth strategy for my business. Beautiful. So it's all those things that you're doing to create that growth for your business and deliver on your promises and your See, I think this is, this is great. I mean, as you explain it, it makes perfect sense to me, but I'm, I sit in a weird sort of space between both art yeah. and business, you know, not, and, yeah. and most of our listeners, I suppose, are perhaps, maybe I'm wrong, but I would think more kind of just, well, I'm an artist. Um, how much, you know, do I, I can faff around a little bit on Facebook, but, Basically, my time's in the studio. You know, I think this is a really interesting thing to figure out for artists mm. because you, you get a bit of, you can get a bit of people, you know, sort of bit resistant about social media and sharing things. There's yep. that. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes back to a little bit of, well, I'm an introvert. I don't do that well. I don't know how to do it. I'm fearful of it. But the strategies for artists, I mean, I think going back to what you just said about Liz Gilbert, I mean, if people aren't in the studio creating work, really like a lot of work, consistently and then going well I'm not winning anything I'm not getting any sales and I, I have nothing to post 
Mm. surely more weight needs to go towards this strategy of creating more artwork yeah of the creation side and the more i do my work the better i get at it and the more i charge for it and so i think it's the same for artists the more you actually do that thing and i i am hungry to learn more so the equivalent for an artist would be you know those masterclass type things or going to Mm -hmm. actually improve your skills I improved my skills. I went to a conference on the weekend that was a business strategy conference and I went there hungry to learn, not hungry to prove that I already know everything that there is to know, but Mm. hungry to learn from that experience and how can I take what I learn here and bring it to my work. And so I 100% agree with you that actual time in the studio, developing your abilities, developing your narrative you know I'm not an artist but I I pick up on this stuff and I'm I'm an art lover Mm -hmm. I think that that's really important and if you're not submitting for prizes and getting that feedback and learning to cope with the rejection and and building your strength and your resilience like there's mindset in that as well as strategy um so you know it's all it's all of those things wrapped up into one and because there's so much to it I think a lot of people, they divide their time really um, ineffectively. So if you spend, say, six hours a day in the studio, but no one knows your work and you're not spreading the word about what it is that you're doing and you're not being the biggest advocate for your work that could possibly be, Mm. then it's it's kind of hard for you to create momentum. And then, you know, we don't want to end up with a studio stacked with thousands and thousands of artworks that will never be seen. There needs to be a balance. And by the same token, if you spend all day on social media and then you just jump into the studio for half an hour once a week and then, you know, you've got some, an opportunity will come up for you and you can't respond. Mm. You can't respond. I know in your, um, in your um, training, Felicity, you talk about, that luck is where opportunity meets consistency. And so, you know, those opportunities, A, the opportunities won't come unless you get out there and spread the word about your work. And B, you won't be able to respond to those opportunities if you haven't actually continued to grow as an artist and you haven't got the work there. So well put, so well put. So, I mean, this is about investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so opportunities come from investment. Yeah, you know, I, they really so do. Putting yourself out to network is an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, turning yep. up to gallery openings is an investment. Yes. Going to masterclasses, um, you know, life drawing every week, um, painting classes or, you know, all, all, all the stuff. It, it's all yep. investment and that's, mm. that's what I'm talking about. And I think, again, it's interesting to see how you have seriously taken on that idea about investing in yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, I watch your business growing exponentially um, three or four years. It's been hugely successful and it's just affecting so so many wonderful women in business in such a positive way. Um, That must feed back in. You know, you must feel that that investment that you're now putting into not only your business and into other people and their growth must just be a fantastic feeling. It is. And, you know, I had a very specific trigger point because I actually – quit my job and started my business full-time straight away. I 
Like nothing says I'm willing to bet on Tash Corbin like that, right? Like, <laughs> oh gosh, right? But I know and I acknowledge that for a lot of people, it's a much more gradual transition. Right. But the decision point is still the same. Are you worth betting on? Are you worth, are you worth this risk? Are you willing to do what it takes to make this work regardless of the outcome? So I had a conversation with my partner when I started my business and he, he said like, you know, what, what's the plan? What are we going to do? We were living off his income. I was earning a very healthy six-figure salary. He was on 55 grand, right? And so I was the breadwinner and I was the one who was saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to start my own business. I can't stay in this job anymore. And we had a conversation and we decided it was worth it for to, to give it two years. We would give it two years. We would drink $2.99 wine if we had to. We would minimize (laughs) our expenses. How much commitment and dedication does that take? I had zero money in my bank account. In fact, we went to Europe and spent everything we had in our bank account just to be sure I was like completely dry by the time I started my business. And that really did kick me up the pants. So it was a good thing. But, you know, I think it's like your version of betting on yourself could just be committing to four hours a week in the studio for now. Mm. Or it could be committing to posting something on social media once a day Mm. for now. Mm. But it's you take that step and you take it consistently. What Mm. is something you can do consistently to show up for yourself and show up for your work Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, put your money on yourself, put it on Mm. yourself. I think... Mm. That I, I mean, you would see it, right? You have this beautiful community of amazing artists, mm-hmm. and you can tell the difference between someone who's dabbling and someone who's committed by mm-hmm. how much they're investing their time and their money in this thing. Mm-hmm. And you need to be willing, you know, I was willing at the end of the two years to go back to a job, and that right. was the conversation that we had, you know. I love this. It's actually from Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek. He says, what is the risk and actually what is the consequence of it? And I actually have a risk management background of all things. Can you imagine (laughs) me doing risk management these days? Spreadsheets, yes. Um, (laughs) But if you think about it, like what is your, if you took this bet on yourself, Uh what is the worst case scenario? And for me, the worst case scenario was two years' time, I'm still stuck where I am, I haven't made it successful and I have to get another job. Uh I have to go back to working. What is, on a scale of 1 to 10, what is the pain of that? Well, mm-hmm. you know what? Like, it's probably like a 6 or a, not even that, like maybe a 5. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't, have, I won't have lost that much time in my life. What's two years between friends? Mm-hmm. I will have had an adventure. I will have tried some different things. So, you know what? If I end up having to go back and get a job in two years' time, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. It's probably a 5 out of 10. Now think about the alternative, staying where you are and not taking this risk. What's Mm. the worst case scenario of that? For me, it was burnout, weight gain, bullying, feeling Mm. miserable, never feeling like I'd fulfilled my destiny in my life. What's Mm. the scale? What's that on a scale of one to 10? Mm. Like that's a 10. Mm. I know that I am destined to do something more than fulfill someone else's dreams and make someone else rich. And so for me, it was riskier to stay where I was. And for so many people, it will be riskier for you to not try, but it's that, it's that seeing it for what it is and taking a bet on yourself, which we are not encouraged to do in our youth. And as we grow up, you know, it's always, 
our, the people nearest and dearest to us, they want to keep us safe because they love us so much. And so anything that's risky, they'll try and talk us out of it. Would you say uh, that women particularly, because of the culture uh, that we are surrounded in, yep. struggle with confidence mm-hmm. to take such risks to invest in themselves? Absolutely. I see it all the time, all the time. And you know what else I see? I see when they do take that risk, they get fleeced because they're so scared and they're so worried and they get so bought into this. uh, You can't do it without this amazing program thingy. Mm. And so they get caught in this trap and they end up in the exact wrong space. They end up proving to themselves that they weren't worth it. And that absolutely breaks my heart because I do see that women have so much potential. Denise Duffield Thomas says, rich women will change the world. If you imagine the Forbes 500 list having more lady parts than man parts on it right now, (laughs) how would the world be a different place? Different place. It's so different. Different place. JK Mm. Rowling gave away so much money because she wanted to get off the billionaires list. Like what man does that? Like, you know, no offence to our male artists, but seriously, there is, I do see this for women so much. Not only is that, like, you're so far down the priority list and we wear that like a badge of honour, you know. Mm. I put my kids first. I put my, my husband first. I put my work first. I put my this first. I put my that first. And for all the mums out there, I actually, at the conference that I was at, there was a lady talking about kids, right? And there was a lady asked a question and she was breastfeeding her daughter and she got up and she asked this question about like how, you know, how do I do this and da 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 like how am I going to, how do I take this leap of faith? And the speaker said, I think she's attached to you right now. Like this <laughs> is why. Like do you want to give up everything and sacrifice everything and have no meaning in your life and not do the thing that you're meant to do for the sake of your children and have them see you do that and model that behavior for themselves in their future? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to be the role model that you, you know, it's one thing to say to your kids, you can do anything, prioritize yourself. Look, But if they see you doing the exact opposite, how is that actually demonstrating to them how it's done? How is that being the role model for them that you want to be? And regardless of whether you've got children or you've got no children or whatever it is, we do, we put all these other things before what it is that we want. And actually, if we did that first, we would be more effective. We would be more happy. We would be more healthy. We would be a better partner. We would be a better sister. We would be a better mother. Like actually taking that bet on yourself and standing up for what you want to believe in and what you believe in and what you want to go for, mm. that is where the magic is. We've seen all those Hollywood movies, <laughs> Randy, we've seen all those Hollywood movies about like the, you know, the girl who wanted to do the thing or like Billy Elliot, you know, he just wanted mm-hmm. to dance and he's told you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. And we cheer for those people when they actually do it. And yet we're being that person to ourselves. We're saying to ourselves, no, you can't do it. You're not a priority. You shouldn't do that. And we're, we're like our little inner child who wants to do this and wants to have this chance and this opportunity. We're like being like the mean dad to ourselves and saying, no, no one else is doing it to us. I think to, to just be a bit of a devil's advocate for a minute, I mean, I suppose there are periods of time in one's life when, you know, you have young children mm-hmm. that it's actually feeling okay 
to say, I'm going to prioritise this, the raising of the family for this period of time or Mm -hmm. there's particular needs for this family member, perhaps I'm a carer or something like that. So I guess we, you know, we're not saying this is an absolute, but I think nevertheless if one does that in a very conscious way, to say I'm taking time out to care for my elderly parents at this point or to raise a young infant, um, but yep. I'm doing it in a conscious way that I am really comfortable with that decision and I'm not living with resentments or bitterness or suppression yep. of my own expression of, of self and all those things. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? There isn't, but at the same time, I was a full-time carer for my mum for eight years while she battled cancer mm. and I was a better carer and I was a more effective person when I also had time for me, you know, fit your own mask first. And so, yes, you might decide to step away from full time pursuing this thing, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, find the parts of your art business that really light you up and keep those things for yourself. You can still go to an art class every week and be a beautiful mother. In fact, I think one creates the other. Yeah, I, I, I actually so, agree with you, yeah. I think that's yeah. right. I, I, I'm just, I suppose I'm throwing, throwing in that sort of curly one just because I can hear. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We've got to deal oh, with the I objections, can't. right? I can't because. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, maybe it's slower. You know, as I said, I jumped straight in full time, did my thing, took a chance on myself. But I've worked with other people who still have a day job and they're a mum. Mm. And they want to start a business on the side. And what we do is we gently and slowly and effectively move them forward. Now, those people often actually make more traction because they have to prioritize their time better. Yes. And so they have, and particularly working with someone like me as a business coach, I'm going to keep them accountable to doing the things that are actually going to create the results. Mm. So whilst you might think sitting on Facebook for two hours after dinner is the thing, you know, I'm building my business, I'm doing my thing. So as a business coach, I would challenge that. And that's the, that's, that might be the easy thing for you to do right now, but is it actually the effective thing for you to do right now, given that you have limited time? The more I shrink down my hours that I work in my business as I move forward, the better I get at picking what's actually a priority and outsourcing the stuff that's not or even just crossing stuff off my list. Like Mm. I will come up with so many ideas and so many different strategies and I'll try lots of things. And sometimes I'll just keep doing them because I feel guilty about letting them go. And so, you know, I do think, yes, you're right. There are times when we go through those like peaks and troughs of how much time we spend doing this and what we, what we dedicate to it. Mm -hmm. But I don't want anyone to ever feel like they have to let go of nurturing themselves because of the situation that's around them. And in fact, the more you nurture yourself in that situation, for me, doing my business is nurturing myself. For me, doing having this conversation nurtures me so much, yeah. right? Like I'm getting fired up and I love it. And so this is great stuff for me. Yeah. So, for, so for me, I think like nurture, making the decision that throughout this thing, and I didn't do it when I looked after my mum. I was like 115 kilos. I was so miserable. I was the downtrodden housewife because I didn't want to challenge my partner in any way, shape or form because I was a full-time carer for my mom. I've been through that process and I've come out the other side realizing I had my priorities all wrong, so wrong. And in trying to please everyone else first, I lost my own personal identity 
And I lost, you know, I also grew a lot. Like, let's not, you know, discredit it. It was an amazing experience to go through. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it took me a long time to recover from that because I just I had no idea what to do with myself. I had no idea what I wanted from my life. I had no idea what I wanted from my relationship because my relationship was seven years in and I'd been a carer for eight years. And for seven years, I had had no voice in that relationship. And all of a sudden, I had eight hours to nine hours a day freed up from my life of caring from someone else. I was like, what do I want to do with this space? And my partner could not, was like, well, let's have babies. Do more caring. You're great at caring. Mm. And so, you know, it took me a long time to work out, you know, little Tash had this vision of changing the world. Little Tash had this vision of, you know, I had this seed, like I'm going to be somebody, you know, and that had all disappeared throughout that time. And having spoken with, and I, you know, I have a lot of friends who are carers now, And I'm that, like, I went through that so that I could help them stay connected to themselves throughout that process. Beautiful. And And so many of us are grateful for for what you do do for so many Mm. of us. Um, Mm. That's a fantastic story to hear, actually, Mm. because I do believe uh, for a lot of maybe women artists more so, I'm not sure, but but I certainly do see often the people-pleasing stuff Mm. and the cost, you know, that there's a real cost, um, a trade-off that people yeah. are sometimes willing to do and that trade-off can cost them their creative time or their yes. creative career uh, yeah. or their creative success. So it's really fascinating to hear someone else's story about mm. how you shifted and realised the people-pleasing stuff and and then sort of coming through it because even though that was such a challenging time in your, in your life, clearly you look back and, and go, wow, there was so much I learned. Oh, the, absolutely. The tough stuff. The tough yeah. stuff. Going through the time. So side. much I learned and so much yeah. I can use to help others and support others and, mm-hmm. and be able to have that conversation because I don't have children. So a lot of mums will, you know, have that conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I actually was a live in nanny for my sisters um, and her two kids. And I get it. Like at the end of the eight weeks, I just thought, like, how do mums actually do this? Like when mm-hmm. I see how much we put on our plates, and I was just like, wow, like how do mums actually do this? I totally get it, right? And at the same time, it's the little decisions. It's just those tiny little decisions and changing a couple of those little decisions each day is enough to make a significant change to the way that you feel and the way that you're showing up for you and your business. And so, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I mean, we've kind of in some ways already ticked off some of the things um, that I'm going to ask you about this next question um, through what we've just been talking about. But I'd be really curious to know what you believe are the, is the single biggest mistake that artists are making at the moment? <laughs> I, I think it's, mm, there's a few, but I'd probably say to be really practical it's thinking that they need to be more of something or have more of something to be ready. Uh-huh. And it's waiting. It's putting it all off. So I will be successful when I have 100,000 followers on Instagram or I will be successful once I get picked. Someone will pick me. The um, when then kind of thing. The when, yeah, when this happens, I, you know, once I lose weight, this is a big thing in, in women entrepreneurs, 
once I lose 10 kilos, then I'll be ready to do video, you know, or then I'll get my photos taken. Then I'll show my face on Facebook or, you know, there might be someone out there who wants to connect with someone who looks like you, sounds like you, is shaped like you, has had the tough life that you have had, has the same experience from you. And they connect and resonate with your work so much more because you are a human being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I say this all the time in business, people don't buy from brands anymore. We buy from people. That's why there's this huge rise in celebrities being spokesperson for brands because, you know, you want to connect with something. There needs to be a face. There needs to be a human element. And as an artist, you are the face of your work. Mm -hmm. You don't stand behind your work and the work does all the speaking for itself. I know for the art that I have invested in and the things that I have bought, it's because I connected with the story. It's because I connected with the person. Now, for other people, it will be the work. But why leave all of the rest of us behind just because you're shy of your thing? Um, and, you know, you don't have to have 100,000 followers on Instagram in order to set yourself up a little exhibition. You don't need to be in the biggest gallery in central Sydney in order to be seen in, as an artist. You do not need to submit for every single art prize out there and spend all of your money in order to actually start creating momentum. Yeah, There's right. this need to be big. There's this need to be perfect and polished. Mm. Just start where you are. And you that, are. you know what, it's, it's this beautiful story then when you write your memoirs in 10 years' time, when you're sitting on Necker Island and Dickie Branson is bringing you a cocktail. <laughs> yes, bring that right? <laughs> And you can say to Felicity who's sitting next to you, remember that time I did that crazy exhibition and no one turned up and I had to get all my no friends sales. to come for the photo <laughs> and we were just pulling, yanking people out of the street to make it look like it was full. You know, all <laughs> of those things are a gorgeous startup story. They're part of that growth and it inspires so many more behind you to say, hey, she started with that. One of the things I share is I, my first ever webinar that I ran Mm -hmm. I had 13 people sign up and one showed up live and I mm -hmm. talked to her like she was 50 people. Mm -hmm. And then at the end I was like, does anyone have any questions? And she didn't ask a question. I was like, well, I have a pre-submitted question from Jenny who couldn't be with us today. And I made up a question. <laughs> you know, this is a really, like when people are now, I'm five years into my business. And when people come to me and ask about webinars, I had someone today say, I had my first webinar I had 15 people sign up and only one person up, signed up, came up live, showed up live. And I was like, hey, you beat me. You beat mm -hmm. me. I had mm -hmm. 13 sign up for my first one. Beautiful. And it just, you see the relief wash over people's faces. Right. And so, like, start where you are. Think about what is, if you got to the end of this year and you thought, you know what, I've really made it. Like, not made it like a million people following or whatever, but, like, what would be a really beautiful thing to you, for you to have feel like you have achieved this year and what are some baby steps you can take straight away to move towards that? Mm -hmm. And it might be, you know, jumping into the, um, from the easel Facebook group and being more present. That might be mm -hmm. all it takes. Or it might be going to more exhibitions from other artists. Yeah. Oh, you know, you've talked about the opportunities that have come for you from being there in the room. Massive. If you weren't in the room, Massive it wouldn't have happened. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you're really scared of going on your own, find a friend in the Facebook group or find a friend in a program or you know, ask who's going and find a friend and attach it to each other's hips and give each other 
amazing opportunities. I am a raging exhibitionist extrovert and I still find it difficult at conferences and events to go up to a stranger and say, hi, I'm Tash, who are you? You know, like that just still feels like I need an in, I need a connection. But I go like the, on the weekend, I went to a conference. I took a client, I was there with the client and she's an editor. And I was like, everybody, you need to know who this chick is. She's amazing. And I introduced everyone to her. And as a result, everyone was talking to me as well. And it was really lovely. You can you know, be an advocate for, but there's so many ways to work it out. And if you're hungry enough, you will try to find a way that works for you. You know, a lot of people, a lot of those big, like motivational people out there say, if you're hungry enough, you'll do it. You'll get over yourself. You'll do it. I'm a little bit different. I say, if you're hungry enough, you'll problem solve it. You'll find a way to get the same outcome with a different strategy. I think it's great news for our, again, for our introverted artists. Yeah. I think that's really great news to just think more creatively because you are creative, you, you know, you're an artist. Yeah. So, so problem solving is a very creative activity. So hmm. I think that's a really great in for people to think, okay, so I need to network more because opportunity yep. comes from that mm-hmm. or a lot of it does. And so how can I problem solve creatively about that? You know, is yeah. it, is it I feel shy or I don't have enough events to go to or I live in a regional area mm. where everything seems to happen in the big cities. I mean, let's problem solve about it there. We could, you and yeah. I could sit down and problem solve all of that straight away. But I think all of that, if anyone wants to, you know, we could have everyone on the call and they could tell us their problems we and we would solve it. We should do this as a webinar or something <laughs> because I think, I think people would, would be absolutely hammering in their questions to us and it'd be good fun. Yeah. I okay. call it people getting a case of the butt tashes, like, but yeah. tash, I can't because of this. But tash, how do I do this? One last thing I want to say on that is also think about why you want it. So a lot of people come to me and they say, I need to get a thousand more followers on Facebook. Right. And my biggest question is like, I'm not going to tell you how to do it yet until I know that it's actually a good reason, right? Why do you need a thousand followers on Facebook? What is the ultimate goal here? It's usually to sell more work or to get more opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so a thousand new followers on Facebook, you can go and buy them for five bucks, but it will actually be detrimental to your page and the Facebook algorithm. And that is not an outcome in and of itself. So I think also whenever you think about the things you need in your business or for your art, ask yourself, why do I need that? What is the goal? To what end do I want that? And if it's because you actually want some people to talk to or if it's because you want to be networking and making those opportunities, is getting a 1,000 likes on your Facebook page actually the best way to do that for you? So let's unpack Maybe this a little bit. Just, to do that. Let's just go for this yeah. for a second because I'm going to guess for a huge majority of our listeners on the podcast that one of their goals is to sell more artwork. Mm-hmm. So while we can say, well, you can go and buy followers and that might not lead to selling artwork, if selling artwork is what they're really on about, because that will be the case mm-hmm. for probably at least yep. 80% of the artists I know uh, and work with. Where do they go? Where do they start? If it's not just trying to buy followers yep. and their objective is sales. Yes. And we're talking about, okay, we've already given some tips on this, such as consistency, mm-hmm. turning up, sharing the process, etc., etc. What else would you suggest about how to get sales? Yeah. So we'll talk about this all day, but I'm going to try and keep it brief. I know. So if you can... Number one, you yeah. need to be able to visualize in your mind who is the ideal person to purchase this artwork. What do they have in common, right? So maybe the person, the type of person to purchase your art 
lives in the northern beaches of Sydney. They have a gorgeous home. They want something that really speaks their language. Or maybe your ideal client is, you know, someone who is very um, um, visually driven. They want to be surrounded by something that's energetically going to fire them up. Or, you know, what is the purpose of someone investing in your artwork and having it in their home or in their office or wherever they put it? Think about that from the start. And when you've got that person in your mind, think about what is the journey that that person would need to go on in order to then invest in a piece from you. So is it that they're going to stumble across it on Instagram and buy it straight away? Probably not. Mm. But they might stumble across it. And and this is another conversation we've had before offline about do you make every second post on your Instagram a for sale? It's this much. Here, come and buy my artwork. Actually, for most people, that strategy doesn't work because Mm. it's not simply a case of people need to see the artwork and then magically they want to buy it and they're willing to spend $1,000 to purchase it or $2,000 to purchase it. Mm. They normally get attached to the story or the body of work or the narrative of what's going on with your journey or you and your journey and they really connect with that. Um, You know, I think I... I coached you as a business coach and didn't kind of get your artwork for a little while. And then I saw a photo that Matt had taken on Fraser Island and then Mm -hmm. your interpretation of that in art. And Mm -hmm. I went, I need one, right? There was just this (laughs) like, oh, I get it. And it's now I got life goal to have a couple of Felicity O'Connor oils on my walls (laughs) in my forever home. That's a thing. And so, you know, I think when it comes to social media and the journey, like number one, if I've met an artist, I am 150,000% more likely to follow that artist on social media, to be interested in their work, to, you know, so I do think the in-person stuff and Mm. putting yourself out there a little bit can be hyper-valuable. But, you know, if it's really hard for you, in the meantime, share a bit more of yourself on your social media channels. Partner up with three other artists and put a group exhibition on together yep. and, and, you know, be each other's you know, strong person, you know, and be each other's yep. support. And you don't even have to talk about your work at all. Just talk about the other artist's work, right? Just practice. And then next time maybe you'll feel brave enough to talk about your own. Or next time you'll be brave enough to get up and actually share your message and, and actually, you know, claim it. Um, so yeah, I think it's about number one, being really clear on who this is for and who is most likely to buy that and who is most likely to really engage with your story and your work Mm -hmm. and then understand, well, what is that person's journey to purchase and whatever that person, how are they going to find you? Is your, you know, is that fabulous housewife from the Northern beaches of Sydney really scrolling Instagram looking for art and searching hashtags of art in the local area or does a friend invite her to a gallery exhibition and it has free mum champagne and they all turn up and make a girl's night out of it? Right. Like it's, what is the journey? What is the That's journey? So that's so great. And, and think, how can you intercept that journey in yes, multiple ways? Yes, that's yeah. what I was just going to say because when I think about my own sales and I've been lucky enough to, you know, be going well with sales as an artist, then it's you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's a diversity of the way that people connect. It's mm. in 
often because I, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a gallery. So and when I'm there, I'm meeting people. But it's it's the doubling up then of a mailing list, a, a, an active Facebook community, mm-hmm. um, a, a, you know, a, a popular Instagram account. It's the it's the mixture. Yeah, of, as I've described before. You know, it's the ingredients all together mm. that make the delicious you know, yep. outcome at the end um, that we can mm. feast on. So yeah. that's fantastic to hear your take on that because, I mean, just quickly, the other thing that I'm often saying to my Art Activator members too, it's facts tell, stories sell. Yes. And it's really true when it comes to art and it's great to hear your own journey of that when you hear and understand the story more. It resonates, yes. you can appreciate what's in front of you visually um, Absolutely. You know, you can and when there's a story there, yep. it also means that you no longer compete on price as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if you think about like the wine that you spend the most money on, for me, it's where I've been to the Barossa and done the wine tasting there and met someone and I know the story of what's going on there. Like, so if I see that wine at a bottle shop and it's $45, I will buy that over the $14 Jacob's Creek, whatever, because then the people that I share it with, I don't drink wine alone. The people that I share with, I went to this place and there's this story. There's a story. story. There's right. a story. So right. also that is one of the really big ways that you can start to increase your prices is by bringing more of the connection into your marketing and more of your story as well. Totally. Because it, as I said, if I've met an artist, not only am I following them on social media, but when I buy their artwork, mm-hmm. I tell everyone, I met her when I went to this thing and, the, you know, Billy Idol was there or whatever, you know, like you're telling yeah. this story and that's what people want to do. They don't buy artwork for their wall, for it to sit there and for them to never talk about it ever again. It's actually for most people, it's something they engage with regularly and people come to their house and say, wow, that's really interesting and they can have a conversation about it. That's what people want. If you can make people feel more connected and smarter, you're winning. You're winning at life. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, I love going to wine tasting events because I feel smarter about wine and so then I'm like, can you taste the black pepper in this? You know, (laughs) it's got a little taste of forest floor. It makes me feel good that I feel really smart about that. And you know, you can say this about your artwork as well. Can you see the movement here through it? And you're just repeating what the artist said to you, right? Right, But if you don't tell the the audience your story and this is this is coming back to what I, I share with my members, you know, it's it's don't stress out about creating content for social media and things, just document your process because that yes. is telling the story. Document in your grubby overalls. Well, I do anyway. Yep. Um, in my studio, you know, down on my hands and knees making canvases or going to my framers or hanging out in my ga- – you know, I'm documenting the process um, yep. rather than making that polished thing, which is all – the reason I'm doing that is to tell the story um, partly because – Hey, that's just who I am. There's a genuine authenticity in that. I'm not yeah. looking for sales. I'm actually not even interested in my, you know, return on investment at that point. I'm just documenting, getting on with the work, telling yeah. the story. And of course, as things happen, roundabout, you know, they'll people start to see that momentum. Yeah. And it ends up in a sale. Perfect. Yeah. I love awesome it. to talk I to you. It. Tash Corbin. What a fabulous 
experience it's been to know you. Um, but really dig in today. I've loved that. I've really loved digging into that sort of business side of creativity and, you know, getting your thoughts and guidance on some of those things. Um, mm. We definitely need to supply you with some more art. Uh, so I've got my eye on that <laughs> when you eventually buy your dream home. And uh, we know the colour of your dream home. I'm not going to reveal that to the podcast listeners. You and I know the house you're talking about. And let's just say yeah. I can match that palette if necessary. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a little bit 80s. Let me just tell the listeners it's a little bit 80s. If you think of the, the, yeah. the sort of palette that was around in the 1980s, then you know what I'm talking about. So yeah. we can fix you up with some artwork. No problem at all. It would be my pleasure. But awesome. thank you so, so much for being on this Creative Life podcast. Um, you uh, not only a generous person in your time, but your resources uh, are fabulous. And mm-hmm. I know you have an amazing library um, of resources that people can access. Can yep. you tell us, Tash Corbin, where can they find more of you and your resources? For sure. So um, if you go to tashcorbin.com forward slash library, I actually have a library of resources and they kind of change here and there. So Sometimes there'll be things in there about building your mindset. There's always something in there about business strategy, some social media things, but there's some really great lessons in there. And I've actually got a gorgeous free training in there on launching, which for most online entrepreneurs is about launching online courses or programs. Mm -hmm. But for artists, if you think about your exhibition as something that you need to launch, it's actually the most amazing little training for artists. So I'd love for you to come in and check that out because I think it really does. Like if you think about running an exhibition and all the lead up on social media and all the ways that you're getting your word out there about it and then, you know, everyone comes and then it's open and then it's closed and what are you going to do, you know, in those periods. Actually, it's very translatable to the online business world as well and a lot of the social media strategies in particular are very effective. So come and check out the library. It's tashcorbin.com forward slash library. And um, uh, even if you just go to tashcorbin.com, I'm mm-hmm. always putting new stuff up there and, um, yeah, I would, I would love to, to support you. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. That's, that's great that you talk about that launching thing, actually, because that is certainly something as part of my Art Activator program that we, yeah. we're providing exhibition opportunities. We really dig in to help give our artists extra training on that, exactly that yeah. stuff. In fact, a lot of what we've been talking about today, you know, telling a story, marketing, turning up, being yeah. consistent. Um, yeah. Investing. Investing in yourself, yeah. exactly. And then how to actually pull off a polished exhibition and what the nitty-gritty practical stuff on the ground is um, to make yeah. that successful. If you're Can missing- I also just say, yes. like, I love, like, giving everyone the free resources and, and trying to help support these artists with this stuff. But I also want to say when it comes to then actually investing, like let's talk about like I have courses on how to start an online business, but it's not designed for artists. So like go where the good stuff is. That's Felicity. So I'm happy to add to this conversation and I'm always happy to have this conversation and share this work. But honestly, hand on heart, when I started my business, I actually was a business coach for artists. And it was through conversations with amazing artists and people like Felicity that I realized that there are certain parts of being an artist that actually I can't talk to because I'm not a practicing artist myself. Mm. And I think there's so much power 
in learning art and art business from a practicing artist who is going through that journey and continues to grow in that way. So like you've got Felicity at your disposal, make the most of that opportunity. Oh, thanks, Tash. Appreciate that. That's oh, really appreciate that. That's great. Well, we certainly pour our heart and soul into running the Art Activator program. Me and my team yeah. couldn't do it without the yeah. team. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we just thrive on seeing people succeed, uh, women artists particularly, given the really ugly statistics um, for female <laughs> artists to thrive as, as successful yep. career artists. They absolutely need a hand up. That's why we exist. So um, anyone looking for that, it's uh, you can find uh, on me or details for that on my website, felicityoconnor.com. Um, or you can look for bit.ly slash forward slash art activator. Um, those links are also on my other social media, my Facebook page, Felicity O'Connor Artist, and my Instagram account. So you'll find us and you can chase that up and we would warmly welcome the women artists in our audience that have been listening today to both Tash Corbin, business strategist and coach extraordinaire, and myself, Felicity O'Connor. And you can chase this up and find out about. And it's so cheap. It's so, so cheap. cheap. <laughs> That's why you put my prices up. But I, I, As yeah. a business coach, I am yeah, consistently fine. telling Felicity to put the price fine. up. So get in before she actually does what I tell her. <laughs> Fantastic. So yeah, look, we'd welcome you in there, but also um, from the easel, my amazing uh, Facebook community for all artists, male, female, or in between, or a mixture of both. Um, we welcome all artists there and it's a really lovely, very warm and chatty community. What I'm proud of with that, if I can just blow my own trumpet for a second, is that it's not just another Facebook group for artists where people just post up their own images of their artwork in out, in out, in out, you know, and it, it's a so, so much more than that because we're really big on in creating conversations, questions and answers to real life questions and experiences for artists and that's why we exist and we're growing up to, you know, I think we're, we're kind of creeping up on 2,000 members there. So please come along from the easel on Facebook would be another great way to connect. And I know, Tash Corbin, you do sort of just sort of on the fringes, you, you do poke your head in. I did happen to see a selfie of you in that group just recently. So <laughs> I love to just sneak in. I'm 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 one of those lurkers. Like people do that in my group where they lurk and they don't post anything. I do that there because I'm not a practicing artist. I just love seeing everything, so I just lurk. And when there's something that I can do, like post a selfie. Oh, sure, I'll do that. Then I'll do it. Yeah, just a yeah, shout-out to the artists did do that challenge. Actually, that was really fabulous. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, I'm really it was sure awesome. about myself. And then they all just put – they did so well putting these gorgeous selfies up. So shout-out to my uh, From the Easel members yep. that participated. Watch this space, not only for Tash Corbin, business coach and strategist who we just adore uh, and is doing so much gorgeous work in the world, but also – uh, for my community and thank you again Tashkong for your generosity your time your skill set sharing it so openly and and happily uh, with us we really really appreciate that and I for one feel incredibly lucky to anytime work with you so thanks again thank you lovely okay Hi. bye for now and bye everybody bye bye Hello, listeners. Popping in just quickly again before you go, it's Felicity here, and I'm really thrilled to tell you about one of the things I've created for artists called a marketing mini-series for artists, which is a three-part audio mini-training for artists all about marketing because it's 
often a bit of a tripping point for artists that I see happening um, and I would really love to give you all the resources I can to help you get over that. We talk about overcoming resistance to marketing, uh, a marketing strategy, what exactly what you need to do to have uh, an ex a successful marketing strategy and of course one of my favourite topics about investing in yourself, what happens when you do and what happens when you don't. So go to the links in the show note for the link to the three-part audio marketing mini-series for artists now, or you can email my team, team at felicityoconnor.com, and we would be happy to send that to you. Hope it helps. I'll look forward to getting your feedback. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.